Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. This podcast is made possible by the Promethean Project, a nonprofit wellness center creating a one stop shop for mental, physical, holistic health and wellness. For every $100 raised, the Promethean Project is able to help one person in need through different programming, such as the Ryan Odeon Leadership Initiative, the Jared Koslick Mentorship Program or the Strengthening Healthy Families program. Please visit the prometheanproject.org backslash donate to help us make a difference. Welcome to episode 12. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you guys back. Amazing episode we have today with the one, the only, Sean Her. Sean is a good friend of mine. We met at the Progressive Calisthenics Certification in New York about three years ago. And he's been really busy ever since. He has a book out on Amazon. Check it out. It's called Finding Your Balance. He also has the Sean Her Academy, which is an online training program which is getting really good reviews and really good supports. So you should check that out too if you're looking to make a change in your life. And he has the Sean Her show, which is his podcast, which if you haven't checked it out yet, you should definitely check it out soon. He's got some awesome guests, including a man with a great beard and beautiful blue eyes. I'm going to edit that part out. <laughs> uh, Sean... And I sat down today and we talked a little bit about what he calls the slimming cycle, which is this idea of going on a diet, breaking the diet, eating a bunch of food, going on a diet, breaking the diet, binging on a bunch of food, going on a diet, breaking the diet, and so on and so forth. I think you understand what I'm talking about. Sean is really well-versed in personal training, but besides that, he makes it his mission to diversify on his knowledge base and really enjoys learning. He knows a lot about nutrition. He knows a lot about fads out there. And if you listen to this podcast, he has a three-part mini-series all about calories and how they work. So if you've ever been mystified about that process, check out his three episodes on what calories are. The name of the episode comes from a conversation that we were having about advertisements uh, regarding how to get a flat belly, how to lose weight. He quoted Russell Brand on one of Russell's comedy stand-ups about how if it has an advert, you probably don't need it. And I think that it was the name it was the name for this podcast to be advert not needed because. That's exactly what Sean does. He doesn't really need to advertise his philosophy or his way of doing things. It's just the right way to do it. So on that note, without further ado, let's get into the episode. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. I find like starting podcasts to be really awkward to know the exact way into it. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to start with uh, introducing Sean Hur, a good friend of mine from we met in PCC about three years ago. Uh, I had the honor to be on your podcast and now you're on my podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm 
I'm excited, but a bit nervous to be on the other side of the mic, which I'm sure you were as well last time. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's kind of, I think podcasting is kind of cool because you can control the dynamic of where you go with it for the most part. Yeah. But when you're on the other side, it's it's kind of like, oh, do I say that now? Do I wait? Or how do we how do we operate? Yeah. So, Sean, can yeah. you uh, introduce yourself to all the listeners out there? Yeah. So my name is Sean Hare. I've been a personal trainer for about six, coming up to six years. So I got into that through uni because before that I didn't do anything like physical really I avoided sports here at school if I could um didn't have particularly sporty family or anything like that so starting uni for me was you know like my chance to to get healthier to make sure that I'd go down the same path as my family and I joined the gym the day I got to uni in halls paid for the membership for the whole year as my initial kind of incentive for myself to go because like I said I didn't I wasn't into sports or anything so it was kind of my initial incentive and then it just snowballed I ended up reading more about like health and fitness and nutrition and everything than I was about my actual course to the point where I then left uni did a PT course and that's kind of what I've been doing ever since and have done different things over the years um, and now I've just moved to putting everything online because I feel like I'll be able to help a wider range of people that way rather than just the however many in my gym right so that's where I've gone to what, right now what was the original track in uni for you oh originally in uni I was studying physics oh, so right. not the same <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was just good at it and like most people starting uni I didn't know what I wanted to do right. I knew I liked physics I knew I was good at it and it was interesting to me and so I just went and did that and I thought I'll just go through it, do the bachelor's, do the master's maybe do the PhD, go into research because that sounded fun at the time but then the studying of it just got boring because it was just, you'd go into a lecture the lecturer would just write equation after equation deriving equations on the on the whiteboard you'd have to write it down as quick as you could and then try and understand it later and it just didn't I just didn't enjoy that the only bit I did enjoy was labs like the practical part of it yeah and it was funny with labs because I enjoyed the actual experimenting part and playing with the equipment in a way so I could I kind of knew what was going on and what we were doing with it and sort of the theory behind it anyway. So I'd make them do different stuff and do cool things. Oh, yeah. And then all like friends in class would be like, how have you done that? Like, why is it doing that? And I was like, well, because blah, 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 this and this. And then like the, the lab instructors would come over and say, why is that happening? And I'd say, oh, well, because this and this. And they'd just go, yeah, don't do that. Just stick to the script and do what you're supposed to do and I was like well that's not what science is about like you're supposed to just mess around with it and see what happens that's how we discover stuff but so yeah I kind of kind of saw my ass with it then I was like forget this (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna go into fitness instead well I mean I think fitness is a a cool transition because it it is science-based but it is more every day's a lab day where you get to experiment with you know, different combinations of things and movements and, and a bunch of different philosophy of that stuff. So, yeah, like whenever I, if I look at a client and how they're moving, I kind of see them as a mechanics diagram as if I was studying physics of like the forces and the angles and the tensions and stuff, right. which I think helps because I can kind of, I just think of it that way in terms of their movements, at least anyway, which is always interesting for me to look at people that way. Yeah, that biodynamic kind of ability to see what might be off a little bit in someone is amazing. I, I go to a chiropractor because I have an injury in my, my neck and my shoulder from when I fell downstairs mm-hmm. um, as a young kid. And as soon as I walked in, he pretty much told me like what was out of alignment. He's like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. your left side's definitely lower than your right side just from how you're standing. And in my head, I was like, I didn't, I prepared a whole speech on what's, what's wrong with me. And you just saw it in seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool when you can 
when you when you find someone like that who can help you like that as well. So um, girlfriend's dad just came in. <laughs> uh, no worries. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to girlfriend's dad. <laughs> um, so so we we referenced uh, I well I referenced and I think on your podcast you referenced that we originally met at the PCC and when we did your podcast I kind of took your eyes on on what you wanted to focus on on that. So I figured the beginning parts of this, we could kind of touch base on your experiences with the progressive calisthenics certification and what it was like to come to the heart of New York and, and kind of be in that atmosphere. Yeah, there was, there was two parts. Of obviously, there's the PCC part and there's the New York part. So the PCC part, that was, uh, for anyone who doesn't know what it is, who hasn't been listening or whatever, that's uh, calisthenics course which is just body weight strength progressive body weight strength which was something i was really getting into at the time just because i was bored of lifting weights and I would, i've been following al cavadlo's channel since i was in uni and saw that he was doing a course saw that he was doing it in new york and thought i may as well go to where he's from because i've never been so why not right uh, but yeah the course was awesome like just seeing and understanding more about the progressions and Something I well, the thing I use more often than not is the regressions as well right. that I hadn't thought of. So, kind of your angled push up, you know, doing them on the back of a couch or something before you try and do them on your knees. That's something that in every class I would run in the gym or, you know, start on that's in there because people in classes, for example, they've been going to classes for ages and classes mostly body weight based, light dumbbells. Um, kettlebells things like that but when people try and do push-ups they've usually got a step but then they can't on the step still because they're, they're not even strong enough for that yet right and so you do two or three maybe decent reps and the rest is just horrendous like it doesn't even look like they're doing anything it doesn't look like a push-up at least and so yeah those re- regressions were really interesting to learn and useful they're probably the most useful thing because it's all well and good knowing how to progress someone to a muscle up, right. but if they can't even, if they're nowhere near a pull up, there's no in the rest. So I think that's probably the the best thing that I took from the PCC is that part. And then yeah, New York was just a whole different thing because that was the first time I'd ever travelled on my own. Oh, nice. That was like a that was just a big adventure for me going to New York. It was. First time getting on a plane on my own, like booking into a hotel on my own, and and all this stuff. So it really was kind of like a, a like the next step into being a grown up, if you like. Because never, I'd never done that. And so then, yeah, it was just after outside of the PCC, I was just walking about, getting the subway, just seeing as much as I could on the tightest budget right, yeah. <laughs> that I could. Um, I can't. I'm. I'm good at like picking up like traveling and stuff like that in places to the point where I was giving other tourists tips on how to use the subway and get about. Oh, nice. <laughs> Laugh out good. I was just sitting there, you know, with my headphones on listening to something, a podcast. And a guy came up and he was like, oh, hey, can you help me get to like, how do you get to this place? And I was like, oh, yeah, you're on the wrong side. You need to go on there, go to the other side of the subway, and then that'll take you that way. And then goes, all right, cool, and gets off. And I thought, does this mean I'm a local? <laughs> I think it does. I think I think I've made it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was nice. The New York subways are 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 pretty great. Um, if you go up to Boston, the subway system doesn't make any sense. Out there. Oh, right. There's a bunch of different color lines that don't really. They're not really cohesive. The whole city itself in Boston is, is just built off of cow paths that already existed. Right. So it's not a grid or anything. It's just a uh, random yeah, yeah. back street kind of thing so that's the next yeah. <laughs> come up to boston and, and navigate that for for tourists and and we'll consider you a local yeah well that'll probably be more like london because london obviously isn't built on a grid either it's just gone from whatever it was back in the day as well so i hope it shouldn't be too bad but i'll come and try it and let you know now i'm sure i'm sure you're capable enough if i can navigate it you can so yeah <laughs> Yeah, I actually, um, yeah. something we've never talked about is I actually lived out in England for five years when I was younger. My dad was oh. in the Air Force. We lived at a base called Bentwaters. And um, right. we used to actually get to go 
to London every so often. Uh, yeah. I think I was seven, so it was like right at a good time to go to the Tower of London, like the Armory and all that stuff, because yeah. it really piqued my interest. And um, I just remember the weekends were amazing because we, we could just go to a local castle. And that yeah. really, my imagination just boomed from that. So um, I know we've never talked about it, but it, it's a fond memory I had of being able to travel outside of the Air Force Base every weekend and, and see the culture. Yeah. Whereabouts is that? That base? Is it? I I don't remember because I was seven. Uh, it's, oh, it was near a town yeah. called Wood, um, but oh, I, don't I don't remember where it's... Woodbridge is. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll oh, probably so many little places. Yeah, I'll look it up uh, after the after we're done here, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah. In case anyone wants to go visit. Yeah, I think one of the funniest things ever was um, the difference in Pizza Huts. Uh, <laughs> Okay, because I remember Pizza Hut in the states, and I was a very picky eater. I only liked, uh, you know, cheese pizza. And I went to a place in London, and they had corn on the pizza, and I was like, "This is amazing! It's way different." (laughs) And I think my older siblings were just like, "What are you doing? There's so much other different culture, and you're just going on and on about how there's corn on Pizza Hut pizza." I judge everywhere by pizza now, (laughs) because my cousin has a pizza restaurant now. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, like that's your cousin been, that has that? Yeah, yeah, and he's been running it for about four or five years, I think. So my kind of, like, snobbiness of pizza has just gone way up. Um, because it's because it's a certain kind of pizza that, mm-hmm. like, he does. So often other restaurants will say they have that style of pizza, right. which is Neapolitan, which is the really soft, floppy kind of just doesn't stay up nice. kind of pizza. And often... I'll go to a restaurant, it'll say it's got like wood fired Neapolitan pizza and it's just not. And I and then I'm done. I'm like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> this is this is no good. <laughs> He's it's a very on pizza now. Yeah. Did you get to when you were in New York, did you get a New York slice of pizza? Did you get to Yeah, yeah, a couple of times. I went to there was one place that wasn't that great near Times Square. It was I think it was like next to a, a theater that I was going to. I can't remember what theater it was though. Um and that wasn't everything i imagined it to be because obviously like new york pizza is something you've kind of seen on tv right. forever <laughs> and you, you kind of built up this image kind of like a spongebob burger you know, that you, you know like on spongebob you kind of know what that burger looks like and you're like right. that looks it would be amazing but then whenever you go somewhere that pretends to have one it's just not the same um so yeah but the next one after that that was good i was i enjoyed that one it's funny that you brought up SpongeBob because I have a standard of, of holding pizzas to the original Ninja Turtles and how the pizza looked when they were eating it. And so like the yeah, SpongeBob yeah. burger was me, was the original Ninja Turtles in the eighties. They had like, it was dripping cheese and it just looked so delicious. And yeah, then, yeah. I don't think I've ever found a pizza that replicates that yeah. idea of what a pizza should be to me. Yeah. In the restaurant, they've actually got the Ninja Turtles pizza cookbook up on the shelf oh yeah somebody brought it in once yeah yeah that's awesome yeah so so you you came to new york to do the pcc you said uh you were really interested in getting into calisthenics and and really learning about the progressions and mostly the regressions which i agree with you i think the regressions were were a really cool aspect of the training because i think it is a great equalizer right like it allows you to teach and instruct to all types of people and not necessarily only focus on the diehards who are, you know, challenging movements. It lets you ease back. And I think it, you know, when Grace was on here, we talked about it a little bit too. I think it kind of brings this aspect of, hey, you don't always have to be a tryhard. You don't always have to go for the toughest, the longest, the most reps, exercise to benefit from it. And, You know, I, I'm glad that it really instructed like knee push-ups instead of calling them girl push-ups because that's something I've always hated uh, yeah. with the vernacular and exercise. Oh, push-ups. And I always have to, when I'm training someone, I always like recondition that. I'm like, eh, that's not what they are and talk yeah. about the benefits. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like most most guys can't do guy push-ups. They also need to do knee push-ups because most people can't do push-ups just right. like squats and pull-ups and yeah so it's obviously not gender related it's just a bit daft to call it that because so many people can't do the the normal version anyway right 
and I call it the normal version because like the way I see things, they're the things that everyone should be able to do. Like if you're able-bodied, if you've got both your arms and legs and they work, you should be able to do all those things. Like you should be able to do push-ups and pull-ups and squats because when you were a little kid, you could you could do all those things. And if you grew and kept doing things as though you were a kid climbing and being strong and flexible like you are as a kid, if you kept doing that when you grew up, everyone would be able to do all those things. Right. It's everyone sits down and doesn't do anything and slows down. That's why everybody gets weak. And so like for me, a lot of my training is restoring that original function. What I call in my programming the foundation strength, which I think they called it in a way. Um because for me it's about building the foundation to then go on to other things. You know, even if you don't want to go on to the rest, if you don't want to go on to muscle ups or you know, pistol squats or uh, like one-arm push-ups. Even if you just want to be healthy, be strong, stay able as you get old or do some other kind of sport, you know, even if it's Zumba, you'll be better at doing that if you've got that foundation of being able to do squats, push-ups and pull-ups. Right. I, I mean, I think it, what you're talking about with that foundation work is you're choosing to select a, a, a choice that is limitless. It allows you to do a number of different things. It doesn't just be in one one kind of way of, yes, I'm working on that muscle up. It can be like, hey, I want to feel strong and, and confident in my ability. And then that could be an, a number of things we can utilize that for. Whereas if we only focus on doing the muscle up or trying to get to that, sometimes that's really limited because we don't spend the time in the foundation. And we may have a good push up for five reps, but then it falls to crap. But Say yeah. we're working on a human flag or something. Yeah. That's yeah, a good Yeah, we'll go too far, too fast. And they don't have that regressed strength either, which is what most people have to come back to. Because they go like, oh, yeah, I can do push-ups, you know, like in your sort of, when you take somebody on and you say, let's see where things are at. You say, cool, let's see where your push-ups look like. And they go, oh, yeah, I can do push-ups. And then do them and you're like, nah. <laughs> Because the hips are touching the floor right. almost the whole time while the chest is way up and the elbows are all the way out here. And you're like, that's not it's not a push-up. Like, that's going nowhere if you're trying to get strong. Right. And it's the same with, like, squats as well. People oh, will yeah. say, oh, yeah, I can do squats. That's fine. But the bum will move about three inches. You're <laughs> like, no. Let's <laughs> get that lower. Right. And But then you've got to get past, oh, but I thought you, your hips shouldn't go below your knees or... I heard that your knee shouldn't go past your toes. So you got to kind of unwire or rewire all that kind of stuff as well for people. Right. It's like you, you have to uncondition them to recondition them and, and yeah. form or etiquette or whatever. Yeah. I usually do that by just, just showing them it's fine. <laughs> like, uh, you know, your guided squat. I can't remember if that's what they call it. I feel like I might change the names since um, we're basically going to something and doing a squat. Right you can usually get way down because you haven't got to balance yourself. So people get way down, like ass to grass, knees are then forward of the toes. And then I'll say, how does that feel? And they say, oh yeah, it feels, feels pretty comfortable actually. Right. And you're like, yeah, it's because that's how you're supposed to. So now <laughs> right. just stand back up and keep doing that until it is really comfortable. Because people, you know, when they can't go that low, they have this fear of going lower. They think it's going to hurt the knees because it normally does just because they're weak. That's why, it, that's why it hurts. Right. It doesn't hurt because it hurts. It hurts because you're too weak to go any further. And your brain's like, nah, we're not doing that. I'm going to make this painful so you don't do it. But once you get stronger, your brain lets you go there. There's nothing to worry about. Another thing that you bring up in your podcasts a lot is that you've mentioned pain as an indicator that something's going on, right? And I yeah. think as, as humans, we don't really think that a lot of times. We're like, oh, pain, don't do it. But sometimes mm -hmm. it's the body just saying, hey, there's an imbalance here. We need to work on this to make it stronger. Or sometimes it's saying, it is saying, hey, don't do this correct. You're not doing this correctly, so you have to change it. Um, but I think as we're just conditioned to be like, oh, pain, I'm going to stay away from that and yeah. not come back to this at all. I'm just going to stay yeah. in that th where there is no pain. And in some aspects, that can be good, really, depending on how your body works, you have any kind of knee issues or knee replacements, stuff like that. But I think you're right. I think generally as a society, we stay away from those warning indicators. Mm -hmm. we, 
and you know, you and I talked on your podcast about emotions. I think emotions are the same way that pain yeah, kind of exactly operates, right? We're just like, oh, this yeah. isn't cool the way when in reality we're like, no, this is happening to tell you something. Yeah, it's not that the pain or the emotional pain, physical or emotional, same difference. The pain doesn't mean don't do that, full stop. It means don't do that right now, but let's deal with it and then crack on through it later. You know, say, say for example, like you broke your wrist. That's not your brain saying, oh, broken your wrist. Let's never use that again. Right. <laughs> it's saying, oh, God, I've broken my wrist. I'm going to not do anything with that right now because that will be a really bad idea. Obviously, right. your brain knows if you keep doing things with a broken wrist, it's going to create more damage. So it's sort of saying, right, let's not do anything now. Let it get fixed or fix it, and then we'll go back to doing stuff again. You know, if you just if you talk, I have, a, I have pain in my wrist to mean never use my wrist again. It wouldn't be long before nobody did anything, right? And so, it's like, and it's the same on the emotional front. It's like, if you're doing something and you get sad, or it makes you angry, that doesn't mean don't ever do things again. It just means deal with whatever's causing it, and then carry on with your life, right? What some of the things I say to like younger kids to to make that as as an example is, hey, have you ever stubbed your toe? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, after you stubbed your toe, did you pay attention to how you were walking and, you know, really pay attention to how you put your foot down so that you didn't re-injure your toe or you could treat your toe and not, not make it worse? Yeah, of course. And so then I, I'll talk to them and I'll say, why don't you do that with your emotions? Your, your anxiety is telling you something, but it away so you don't have to deal mm-hmm. with it instead of being like, hey, what can I do? What can I use that? that yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean... I, I think it was Georgina that that came up. I think she was talking about pain at, at one point. And I think right. I really do think that um, it's really smart to listen to your body because your body's intuitive enough to, to let you know, hey, there's something going on here. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, I want to take that to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is nutrition. Um, I know your recent podcast, which was awesome, by the way. Um, Thanks. Talked about calories. And I know that you have like two or three that are a follow-up to that. Um, I think you can even take that concept of listening to your body to caloric intake and feeling full and and really paying attention to what you need in your body. Uh, But we discount that a lot. We just, you and I talked, I think on Instagram about cravings and really putting together a table of like, Hey, this craving may mean you're low in nutrients. So instead of going ham on the chocolate, maybe you try, uh, something with a, a rich source of magnesium or something of that nature. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your experience with like paying attention to your body and what it needs and, and how it relates to nutritional choices. Yeah. Well, I, I actually started thinking about that as you were talking about listening to your body as well, before you mentioned nutrition, because one of the things that's sopping up more and more on Instagram and things like that now is what we call intuitive eating which is supposed to be about listening to your body, letting it tell you what it needs, what it doesn't. And it's a good idea. But like with the emotions that we were just talking about, you have to learn how to listen to it. Otherwise, nothing's really going to work. You know, if if someone is feeling depressed even, and you said, oh, just listen to your emotions, (laughs) <laughs> that's that's useless like that's yeah. not going to do anything right and you got to do the groundwork right yeah and it's the same for nutrition you know if you're if you're getting cravings if you're overeating all the time and things like that and your advice that you've been given is oh just listen to your body it'll tell you you know how much to eat or when to stop eating it can but the issue is with your with your nutrition with your body like your hunger signals if you don't listen, so to speak, for a long time, you can effectively not understand the signal when it does come. Right. And so you have to sort of guide that process for someone to be able to intuitively be able to listen to their body. You can't just say, listen to it, and then they'll be able to because the signal is not understood. So it doesn't really work. Right. At the, off the bat, it does work, you know, long term. And 
you know, the way I would, uh, I used to count calories and everything when I was in uni, but I don't now. And I don't do that with any clients. I just put, I just give them a way to understand and to be aware of their calorie intake and how much can become too much and how some foods will contribute to that and some foods contribute to staying in a calorie deficit and then losing weight. Right. And so I feel like I've tailed off from what I was going to say. Um, but yeah, being able to just be aware of what you're eating is different to either not thinking about it at all or counting every single thing of what's going on. Because I'm not into that. I don't like, right. <laughs> like calorie counting. I'm not a fan, which is funny because that's what my whole last podcast was about, was calories. Right, but I think I think you're right. Like You need to understand the concept to really get to the point where you find the balance of, hey, I'm just not going to pay attention to this, to it doesn't have to be so regimented that I'm going to count every single calorie. I, I think once you develop a good concept of it, you can find that balance in between those two things, which is a healthier to, to look at eating and, and food and nutrition in general. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, they, you have those eating disorders, and now in, in my field, there's a diagnosis coming out, and I'm sure you've heard of it too, like orthorexia, which is just... Yeah, orthorexia, yeah. Yeah, just um, so focused on eating clean or healthy that it it becomes yeah. detrimental, and you freak out if, if you can't do it that way, or if there's cross-contamination over, you know, if you're a vegetarian, if there's a small amount of cross-contamination... Not that you can't be upset about it, but it, it blows up into this huge issue. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like like the thing you typically call, like what well, well, I would call cycle, which is going from binging to being on a diet to binging to being on a diet. I feel like that, like what you now call orthorexia, if you call that being super focused on your nutrition and what you're eating, and I can't have that because that's bad for me or it has to be within this strict range that is part of that cycle like that's one side the other side is is the binging because mm. you, you get so regimented you get so hung up and caught up on the restrictions a restriction is like a red button if you're told you can't have something you want you really want to have it right and eventually you do because you miss it because you like those things mm. you know if you restrict yourself of things you like that's never a good idea it's you know it's not going to result in any kind of you know, good outcome. Um, and yeah, like we talk about finding the balance of things. That's, that's the whole way that I look at nutrition with people. That's literally the title of the book I wrote. Uh, I was <laughs> just going to use that as a segue to your book. So yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. Literally finding your balance, which for me, people talk about a balanced diet, but nobody knows what it means. It's just a term that people use to to kind of excuse when they're eating cake because people <laughs> right. talk about oh, having a balanced diet or having things in balance or in moderation, but mm. no one ever says, oh, you've got to have things in moderation though, haven't you? When they're eating a salad, people only say that when they're eating cake. Like right. Through a mouthful of cake or like through half a pint of the beer, they're like, oh, well, you've got to have everything in moderation, haven't you? You've got to enjoy yourself. <laughs> it's yeah. like... Yeah, but if you're doing that all the time, that's not moderation. Yeah, have those things in, but in a way that supports your goals. Now, for me, that's what the balance is. That's what finding your balance means. It's the balance between eating nutritiously enough so that you're heading towards your goals or eating indulgently enough so that you don't hate your life. Right. Because then you're not likely to go into that binge restricting cycle. Right. Like I feel if you restrain too much, you're just bound to relapse at some point. And yeah. elapse, elapse every once in a while is completely fine and you get back on track. But I feel like the relapse is, is where that negative cycle uh, perpetuates. It keeps continuing because you go to that binging, dieting, binging, dieting cycle like you were talking about. Yeah. And I feel like it, it's really important for people to learn as well that what they tend to think of as a lapse is it's just a good time you know right. if you've gone out for a meal and you've eaten more than you usually would and you've had a drink 
that's not cheating on your diet. That's not failing at your diet again. That's just enjoying your life. And like I said, that's one part of, that's one side of that balance. For me, you've got to enjoy your life. And if that's part of the equation, you're never going to mess it up because it's part of the equation. Like you're not going off track if that's part of the track. You know, for when they come from kind of what they themselves call fat club, you know, like your, your slimming groups mm-hmm. um, where you go in every week, you weigh yourself, you follow the plan, they tell you you've gained a pound or you've lost a pound. Um, people who do those kind of groups and they're so focused on weight, they tend to be in that kind of frame of mind of, oh, well, I had a weekend off, you know, I went to a party, I had cake, I had this, I had that, I've wrecked. I've wrecked everything. I've ruined it. I'm going to have to start again. And you're like, no, you just had a cake. You had a bit of cake. It's fine. Right. Just That is part of your diet. Don't worry about it. Just be normal. Just carry on. Don't lose your head. And one of my clients, she, she's in that frame of mind. That I keep having to kind of pull her back out of that. And one thing that helped was proven to herself that it didn't ruin everything because she followed she joined my online program and so at the start you know you weigh yourself you know you don't weigh yourself sorry that's wrong you take your pictures you do your measurements and then at week five you take your pictures you do your measurements take measurements around you know button waist uh, hips and then you see what the difference is and so in about week three she had one of those weekends you know, where she felt like she binged out, she ate way too much, she'd ruined everything, and said to her, just wait. Because you don't know that yet. Because you haven't checked in yet. You haven't taken your pictures again. You haven't taken your measurements again. You don't know that you've ruined everything. So just give it another week on a bit, and we'll see what happens. Right. Because then if we get to that point, and you've made progress, that'll then show you that you can afford to do that every once in a while and still make progress and then to week five she checked in took her pictures took her measurements and she was over the moon she was like she was buzzing and so one that once that happened i just reminded her i was like so remember a couple of weeks ago when you were losing your head because you'd enjoyed yourself you still made and so that you know it's just one little turn over of a certain cog that says oh maybe i can enjoy myself and make progress you know it, got, it then got to week eight and she went out again and she had lots of food again and she freaked out again. but then we got to week 10 and there was still progress right and so it's like there's another turn of that cog so it, you know understanding that and you know like we've said before reconditioning that in your head isn't going to happen straight away just because i say it's the case you have to kind of keep proving it to yourself that things can be better than the way you believe them to be. Right. Um, oh, there was something else I wanted to mention about that, but uh, I'll come back. I'll, I'll remember <laughs> later. Yeah, just interrupt me if you remember it. Um, yeah. It, I think what you're pointing out too makes a lot of sense of, I think we look at weight loss or getting healthy as some kind of, it has some kind of fi- finality to it, right? We always have to be losing weight. In reality, it's not as easy as that. There are, are these ups and down roads, and mm-hmm. it's a long-term kind of life change as opposed to this quick weight loss. And I think some some of our society is reinforcing that in some of the programs we have about weight and, and transformations mm-hmm. and diets and, you know, uh, thinning products and detox teas and all these things uh, reinforces that image of, hey, if you don't lose weight instantly, something with you and you should just kind of hang up the tile. But uh, yeah. but here here's a, a resource that can make you lose it fast. So why don't you use this instead? It's easier. Yeah, and that's what gets, and that's the issue. That's what gets people hooked in. You know, when a, when a program or a product makes you fast, you feel like that then is a good product or, you know, the people who really want to lose that weight feel like that's a good product. When, you know, if you look at it six, 12 weeks or, you know, six months down the line, has that person managed to keep that weight off? Most of the time, the answer is no. Right. And so 
but it's usually by like week two or week three once a particular person has lost a lot of weight and go into work and tell everyone else oh my god i found it this is the one this is <laughs> yeah. the one that's going to solve everything everybody get on this and so then they all do and then they all you know lose a lot of weight in the first week or two usually because they've just massively dropped their calorie intake and right. their carb intake so they've lost mostly water weight and a bit of actual like fat loss as well um but yeah then a few weeks further down the line that original person is usually put the weight back on and then a couple of weeks after everybody else does as well and then they just stick around waiting for the next magic thing to come along which right. it just never does and it's one of the other trainers in in the gym the other week and i was saying you know so many people are so easily like bought in to those kinds of things to those kinds of products and detox drinks and teas and all this mad stuff and you're like it's that easy for you to decide to go and do that like how do i make it that easy for you to just listen to me because right. i'm going to tell you how to actually get there what is it that you want like obviously everyone's like you know you talk about your your waist trainers and stuff and everyone's happily you know will run out to buy a waist trainer because cristiano ronaldo's on the advert and you're like <laughs> yeah. well he's not using a waist trainer is he <laughs> but anyway you go buy that and see what you know if waist trainers worked everybody would have one and have a six-pack but they don't which means they don't work you know what? What does it take to convince people, or you know, to just to just show them that it is actually really? They've just got to be more patient, right? Like that's the big thing is patience, which is actually something I'm going to be talking about in part three of the calories podcast you were talking about before. Nice. Forward to it. Yeah, patience is just one of the biggest things. Yeah, I mean, I th I think just in general with patience, people don't enjoy sitting with themselves a lot and waiting and you know i see it a lot with kids who oh i don't want to be bored and so when they mm -hmm. they are bored their anxiety takes over and then they start having these really negative racing thoughts and a lot of the old man but <laughs> i think a lot of that comes from this inability to to sit still to to be mm -hmm. okay with spending 20 minutes not completely entertained by tv or video games or activities and and to set time to create something to use yeah. your creativity to fill that time and I, I think it's the same thing with weight loss it's hey this is hard work i have to pay attention to what i'm doing with food and exercise and it's kind of a misnomer right it's like no that's what we should just be doing that's what we've always done yeah but somewhere along the way lines it became this idea of being too hard when in reality it's pretty simple but you just have yeah. to pay attention and it'd be paid process yeah that's the thing it's it's not that it's hard or well there's a difference between easy and simple you know simple is what it is you need to eat more protein than you're probably in eat more vegetables than you're probably in right now move more than you're probably moving right now and yeah the fourth one would probably be learn how to sit still and be quiet with yourself in terms of looking after your mind as well like just those four things is all it is you know if and if you were able to market that the same way as a detox tea right or a waist trainer or something it's just like you know open ways to get the perfect life you that's it like those <laughs> right like, you know so if you could just market it the same you know but it's but it's hard because you don't it's hard to market things that you need and like something that russell brand's stand-up show has talked about that is like a not a phrase but something that's stuck in my head ever since that i always tell people is if someone's trying to sell it to you you probably don't need it you know if you think about all the products on the shelves you know, you see adverts for chocolate on TV. You see right. adverts for, um, you know, for like, you know, these big fancy weight loss products on TV. But you don't really see adverts, adverts for cars, TVs themselves, games, consoles, 
but you don't see an advert for air. Right. You don't need to be sold on breathing. You know, you don't you don't see adverts really for carrots. You know, you just you just crack on with them. You just eat them. You don't need to be told or sold on them. You just need to do them. Right. And and it's it's just something that always stuck in my head. If there's an advert for it, you probably don't need it. It's the same when you go around the supermarket in terms of nutrition. If it's got fancy packaging, probably not as good for you. Because if you just think about what's in the shops, if you think about, like, my favorite ones, the things I always bring up because I love them, is Jaffa Cakes. You know, if you think about a Jaffa Cake box, it's bright blue and orange. It stands out. Think about carrots again, for example. It's just in a little bag, a clear plastic bag that says carrots because they're already bright orange. You know, nature's already already doing the advertiser. You know, this big, bright, colorful thing, go and have that. You know, if you think about um, anything else like Coca-Cola, big, um, bold difference in color between black, white, and red. But then if you look at water, it's just clear. Right, <laughs> you don't yeah. need a fancy, a fancy thing to sell you on water. And it's just something I always try and get people to bear in mind. If it's got fancy packaging, it's probably not going to be as good for you. Right. That, that's a good point. I, I, I like that. Theory. If there's an advert, you don't need it. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, Sean. So we only have a couple of minutes left. So I want to um, wrap up with, you know, the podcast, two final questions that we always do. Um, mm-hmm. You're well, well aware because you flipped the script on me in, in your podcast. So I'm going to yeah. I'm going to at you with them. Uh, the first yeah. is if you could have any superpower uh what would it be and why and then the second is what do you think your superpower is okay so i actually forgot about these until just before we started and i panicked i was like oh god <laughs> um but yeah the first one i i know straight away even though it's a cliche one would be telekinesis yep. but the reason for it is just really mundane because thing because it's something that happens all the time and i think you know what if i was telekinetic right now oh when I'm sitting in a car, when I'm driving a car, mm-hmm. and I see the person in front throw litter yeah. out of their car, every single time I think to myself, oh, do you know what? If I was telekinetic, I'd throw that right back in your car. Either Sometimes I think about it, I'm like, into your face if I'm feeling a bit angry about it, right. especially if it's like a cigarette. Or sometimes I think I'd like open the back window and sneak it in behind you, <laughs> and then it'd just be in your car, and you'd be like, how'd this get here? Right. And, that, that I don't even think, you know, like, I'd go and fight crime with it. I would later, but that's the main thing I'd use it for. That's, just, that's the best just reason behind any superpower I've ever heard, man. That's <laughs> such a good reason to have telekinesis. Yeah, awesome. it's the same, you know, because I was just like, once I was walking through the park, local park by mine, gorgeous green space, and there was a lad, and he had a rucksack on, and he had a bottle and once he'd finished the drink, he threw it over a wall. And I was so angry. And I and it was one of those moments where I thought, oh, do you know what? If I had telekinesis right now, I would unzip your bag, pull the bottle back over, put it in your and probably like a few other things, and then just zip it back up. So when you got home, you'd open your bag and be like, sure, I threw this over a wall. <laughs> Hopefully you think there was some kind of demon after you. So right. you didn't do it again. I'll never litter again. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. And- and then the so the follow up. What do you think your superpower? Yeah, so I think my superpower is an actual thing, is something called a super recognizer. So that is, it's just something in your brain that apparently like police forces and things like that try and find people with, mm-hmm. and so they pick people out of like security cameras and stuff. Because I was at a festival once with some friends, obviously very drunk and um i thought fat boy slim was on and i really wanted to see fat boy slim they didn't um they went off to wanted to see someone else and i was like you know what don't worry about it i'll find you and they were like there's thousands of people here there's like five stages i was like just i'll find you don't worry about it so i goes off to see fat boy slim thought i'll leave a few minutes early head over to the stage there and the stage they were at was like at the bottom of a hill and so I just went up the hill and looked down. And in about 10 seconds, I mean, I say 10 seconds, I was drunk. It was probably about three minutes. Yeah. Um, 
I was just looking down at all these people in this crowd and I was just like, there they are. And I just wandered down and sort of their heads pop out among the other people That's awesome. and then started dancing behind them. And then one of them was like, was like thought I was just some obnoxious guy behind <laughs> it. Like, how did you, how did you find, I was like, I don't worry about it. I'm just really good at it. Um, but, but yeah, there's been a few times like that where I've been, you know, like somewhere trying to find someone and I usually just like, pop up on my tiptoes and look over everyone's heads and just, yep, there they are. So I'm pretty certain that's my actual superpower. That's, that's awesome, man. Good. Well, Sean, it's been, it's been really awesome. Uh, I know the three years since we met have been really fruitful for you. So we mentioned your book um, called Finding Your Balance. Where's that available mm-hmm. on? So that's on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle or paperback. So it's in the US and the UK. Um, at least and in paperback and i think on kindle there it's pretty it's everywhere nice. so yeah if you just go on amazon and google finding your by my name sean hair which is s-h-a-u-n-h-e-r-r it should come up very nice and then you also have built your own podcast called the sean her podcast or show, right? show yeah. yeah yeah and then you also have the sean her academy right yeah, so that's my online coaching. Yeah, so that starts with an initial 10-week foundation academy, and that's to get you up to speed with what you need to know in terms of you know, making it simple, using the finding your balance system, you know, a way of looking at things to simplify it and just make it easy. Um, and like I say, you check in at the start, check in in five weeks, check in at the end. It's going well to get throughout, whether it's at the gym or at home. You can choose either option and then after that you carry on with as an alumni student or a graduate student keeping with the academy theme so um yeah and I'm, i love it because yes, it's my way of kind of counteracting just the crap you see people selling online in terms of programs because i spoke to a lot of people in the gym who said oh i'm doing this program can you help me do it <laughs> sizes works it was really complicated and it was just a load of crap for like 30 quid and i was like that's you're wasting your money i'm gonna do something better and so that's where that came from nice man i'll put i'll put the the show links and all that stuff into the show notes so people can hit you up yeah please do that'd be cool awesome man well it it was great to catch up and uh i look forward to talking to you more yeah man it's been good thanks for having me on thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast if you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Please like our posts on social media and Instagram and on Facebook. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.